that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those words, those words, those powerful words that, that are within the Declaration of Independence, you ask anybody, any citizen of the United States what those words mean, and they'll be able to give you a variety of answers. But when you say life, liberty, and you pause, nine times out of ten, people are going to say the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. And over the course of time since these words were first penned in, in 1776, an item that is so very true of this country is this, is that we definitely know how to pursue happiness. We really do. We pursue it very well. But the thing that there's, the, but there's an issue that happens in the pursuit of happiness, and it's this, that happiness without joy leads to an unfulfilled destination. It just does. It's part of our DNA as a country that when, we, when these words were penned, the founding fathers understood that this is something that we are to do, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and they were in a, in a bad situation. They were, in a, they were escaping a bad situation. And so they put this in there, and, and, and what has happened over the course of the years since 1776 is that as more and more people have pursued happiness without joy, it has led to escalating levels of discouragement, disillusionment, and, border, and, and not just borderline, but depression. And as we continue walking through this season of Advent, I think it's really important, especially as we come to this Sunday, when we're talking about joy, that we understand that joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness without joy is simply a series of events that, that, we enjoy, that we've had a great experience with, but there's no substance there. Happiness doesn't carry you through those times of grief. Joy does. It is joy, according to the psalmist, which comes in the morning. It is joy which makes a parent continue caring for their newborn at 3 a.m. as their newborn screams in their ear. It is joy that carries us through those difficult times that happen in all of our lives. And what's so essential about this, especially during this time of the year, is so often what's lost in the midst of all the chaos and in, and in the celebrations and the family, family Christmas get-togethers, the office Christmas parties and all this, is that during this time of the year is a really difficult time of the year for those who've, who've lost loved ones recently. You see, it's ironic, isn't it, that... In the midst of all that's going on, so often we forget joy. We simply look for it in so many different areas. Joy is a rock-solid foundation that Jesus Christ provides throughout all of life, even when there appears to be no reason to have joy. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah 35, because Jesus Christ is the one who brings joy. 
And to give you the setting for what's going on, what we're about to read, is up to this point, Isaiah has has been giving all types of different prophecies. And if we were to spend time reading Isaiah 34, you'd say, wow, this is really bad. Yes, it's really bad. The Assyrians are closing in. The alliances that the Israelites had established with other countries, they soon found out that they were unreliable, and the fallout from that is not going to be good. God is going to be bringing a judgment. And it's going to not go so well for the people of Israel. And so you're, you're sitting there, and at the end of 34, you're thinking, this is not good. But then Isaiah proclaims these words in Isaiah 35. These words that don't just ooze with joy, they overflow with joy. Starting at verse 1. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of Yahweh, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs, and the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those Yahweh has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Father, we thank you so very much for these words. And we pray in the midst of these days that these words would ring true in our lives, these words of joy. And Lord, as life continues on for all of us, there are so many things that weary us. And we would ask now as we look at this passage that your Holy Spirit would open our ears so that we can hear words of joy that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes so that we can see and understand more clearly these words of joy and that we can see the way you're working in the midst of our lives. That your Holy Spirit would open our mind that we can understand what true joy is all about and that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts so that we would be transformed by the joy that you bring to those who place their trust in you. So, Lord, may no one hear anything that I say, but only what it is that you want them to hear and need them to hear. And, Lord Jesus, may you receive all glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The desert 
and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. When he comes, when Jesus Christ arrives, he moves us from desolation to joy. I love what Isaiah does here. I love all the Bible writers. They're so graphic. They're so descriptive. And he comes right to it and he says, the desert and parched land will be, will be glad. Israel at this time, the people in Isaiah's day were dry. They were dry. Part of the reason why they were dry was because they continually kept turning away from the one who would give them abundant life. They would continually turn away from him and say, we can do this on our own, but the people were dry. And perhaps you're here this morning because you're dry. You're barely holding on. Perhaps you've been looking only to take care of yourself in the midst of all that's going on around you, and you've said, Lord, I'm not interested. The Lord promised us an abundant life. It doesn't mean that everything's always going to be uh, just rainbows and, and pink unicorns. But it means that he's there in the midst of all that we're going on. But when we decide to only look out for ourselves, we become dry. And one of the things that strikes me, look what he says here, is that the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. Verse 3, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, I want to stop there. When we are experiencing dryness, when we are experiencing a, a wondering if we can make it from point A to point B, it is so tempting to turn to the world. It really is because it's right there in front of us. But here's the reality. The world offers us plenty, but it delivers nothing. The world offers us plenty, but it delivers us nothing. And I bring this up because the, psalm, the psalmist, Isaiah, understands that we will have feeble hands. We will have knees that are tempted to give way. And in the midst of this, where are we going to turn? Where are we going to place our trust? The world offers us plenty, but it delivers nothing. According to a survey by an organization called Slick Deals, more than half of us hit the stores on Black Friday. More than half of the people in this, in this country. And on average, those of us who did go and, and participate in Black, in Black Friday planned on spending more than $500 in that one day alone. Okay? And the three things that we went looking for buying, buying away were these. Number one was clothes. Number two were laptops or computers. And number three was TVs. We're... They're TVs. Walked into Costco the other day. These TVs are bigger than I am. They're awesome. I bought two. But we like these, we like all of these things, and we especially like Black Friday sales. But then the survey did something different. The survey then asked a variety of questions and listened to what they discovered. The survey found that most of us would skip out on Thanksgiving with the family entirely just to get a good deal. Now, some of you are going, well, you haven't been with my family. That's a given. I would be more than happy to go somewhere else. But most of us would skip out on the meal. Second thing is this. 
One in five Americans would only eat oatmeal for two weeks straight if it meant they could get a new flat screen TV for half price. Oh, it gets better. Nearly, get this, for the same deal, getting a flat screen TV for half price, for the same deal, nearly one in 10 Americans would endure a year-long head cold. Oh, it gets better. (laughs) And for a free TV, for a free TV, one in 10 Americans said they'd happily, that's the word, happily cast themselves away on a deserted island, fending for themselves for a whole week. While another one in 10, get this one, would put themselves on house arrest for one year for a free TV. The world offers plenty, but delivers nothing. We have weak hands, we have feeble knees, we have fearful hearts, all because we're looking in the wrong direction. He brings us joy, and yet we say we're going a different direction. And then he says these words, which are so profound and so powerful. He says this, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. He will, with divine retribution, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. Joy replaces fear, replaces weakness when we know God is with us. When we know he's with us, joy replaces that fear, replaces that anxiety. A crocus is this beautiful flower that blooms periodically. It's gorgeous. But before it blooms, you wonder, how is that thing going to pull this off? But when it blooms, it is abundant, and it is joyful, and it is, you, can, you can just see almost, the if, if, the, if the crocus could speak, it'd say, oh, this feels good. There's great joy there. There's great joy. And we need to be reminded of that. And how do we get reminded that, that people, that, that, how do we get reminded that God is with us? It's, it's this way, and it's very simple. It's through one another. Because there are times in all of our lives when we're alone. There are times in all of our lives when we don't know what's going to happen next. Two Wednesdays ago, I was heading back from uh, doing my uh, teaching in prison. And I was just south of Chular, heading north on the 101. And I was heading back. I was looking forward. It was the first night of streets. And so I'm moving along just fine on the 101, and then things began to slow down, and then eventually, boom, I'm stopped. And when I mean stopped, I'm not talking about, well, I was creeping forward at two or three miles an hour. I was stopped. It was over. Just south of Chular. So I'm sitting there, and I kept my car going for a little while, and then after about five minutes, I thought, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Put my car in park, turned it off, and then I proceeded to get outside the car and try and solve the problem. (laughs) 
which meant this. Looked that way and that way, and I said, there's a lot of cars here. I have no idea what's going on. So as I'm sitting there, this, this truck driver comes over and crawls up onto the, onto the median, and he looks out, and, he, and he's looking to the north, and he's looking to the south. There's no traffic coming south, none. And I said, what do you see? And he says, I see a lot of cars. <laughs> so we began talking. We talked for 45 minutes, just talking about a variety of things, talking about life, talking about his family, talking about what he did for a living. And his name was Tim. And as Tim and I were talking, we talked about just the craziness of the season. And then Tim's co-worker got out of a different truck and came over and began to talk with us. His name, <laughs> his name was Tom. So I'm talking to Tim, Tom, the truck drivers. And Tom lets loose on this tirade about PG&E and how angry he is. And we kept talking and talking and talking, and we continue on. Nothing's changing. And now I'm beginning to notice the water rising off the shoulder of the road. I'm running out of time to get to streets of Bethlehem. So because I'm a genius, I texted the team here. I texted this, our, our staff team here. And I let Mark Rollins know I'm probably going to be late. And the reason why I texted them was because I was noticing within me, I was starting to get a little bit anxious. I was getting weak. I was beginning to get more and more nervous. And the following thoughts went through my head. What happens if I'm stuck here for the night? Number two, what happens if that water that I see rising continues rising? What am I going to do about dinner? <laughs> and then what? Then this one. What happens if I need to go to the bathroom? <laughs> All of these thoughts are going through my head. So remember, I fired off this text. Rob, who has this incredible ability to speak words of comfort into my life when I need them most, came through like never before. And he said this, and I quote, because I looked it up on our text response. Rob and I are in a fantasy football league together with some other people in the church. And so Rob, knowing that what I was going through, texted me this. <laughs> hey, while you're stuck in traffic, tell me that Joe Mixon isn't a schlub. He's been iffy with me so far on my team. Is he done or do I find someone else? Here I am having this anxiety experience. I'm feeling anxious. I'm, my, my, I'm getting weaker and weaker. But Rob, in his genius, texts me this. Now, we laugh about it, but here's what was important. Here's what's important. Was that through Rob's text... I experienced this amazing amount of peace that I'm going to be okay, that we're going to make it through this. I was able to chuckle, and that helped an awful lot. I gave Rob advice for his fantasy team. His fantasy team proceeded to obliterate his competition. My team lost and is out of the playoffs. You're welcome. All right, so. But here's what's important here. In those seasons of dryness, 
in those seasons of dryness, we need people to come alongside us to remind us that God is with us. It might be through a variety of ways, but believe it or not, through that text that Rob sent, it calmed me down. Other people on the staff sent me texts too, and that was very helpful. Rob's made me laugh, and that was really important. You see, for the, for the people in Isaiah's day, the Assyrians were rising. They were the water that was rising around them, and they were wondering what's going to happen. And Isaiah says to them, listen, be strong. Do not be afraid. Your God will come. And so he reaches into this desolation to a place of joy. And as he reaches into this desolation to bring us to joy, he delivers us into joy. Because here's what happens. Look at verses 5 through 7. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs, and the haunts where jackals once lay grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. Jesus Christ, when he comes on the scene, he delivers us into joy. Because when he works, it means change is inevitable. One thing that we forget, at least I forget, during this time of the year is this. Jesus Christ did not arrive on this earth because everything was fine. Jesus Christ arrived on this earth because he knew that all was far from well and that change needed to happen. It needed to happen. Jesus Christ didn't come to this earth because there wasn't anything else he could do. It was He came to this earth because he had to do it. He had to come in. We, left to our own devices, are going to destroy ourselves. And Jesus Christ says, I don't want it, I don't want it to happen that way. And he lists, Isaiah lists this, eyes of the blind open, ears of the deaf unstopped, lame leaping like a deer, mute singing, shouting for joy. Jesus Christ is the all-around joy giver. That's who Jesus Christ is. Look at this. In your Bibles, we're going to do a little, and we've done it the past few weeks, we're going to do it now. We're going to play a little Bible hopscotch. Look at this. He talks about this. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. Go to your, in your Bibles, go to John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, starting at verse 1, we read these words. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it in the, on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and what happened? Came home seeing. Isaiah 35 claims the eyes of the blind will be opened. We're not done there yet. So there's this sight issue. Then there's a sound issue. Look at Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 35, or 31, I'm sorry. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. 
There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on them. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue, and he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephaphatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. The eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Now we go to John chapter 5. In these words, starting at verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, and then we go back to Matthew chapter 9 for this event. And in Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 32, we read this. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. The eyes of the blind open, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. And then we're back to John chapter 7, and we read these words, starting at verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. The eyes of the blind open, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame leap like a deer, the mute tongue shout for joy, and water will gush forth in the wilderness. When he comes, he brings joy. When he comes, he brings change. When he comes, nothing stays the same. What was once hindered now bursts forth with life. Any who come to me, they will have streams of living water flowing from within them. Israel is one desolate place in places. The soil's difficult, but here's what's happened in Israel over the years. Is that life comes out of the ground. This once arid place now has life in it. Israel exports over $2 billion worth of fruits and vegetables every year. It's a, it's a country the size of New Jersey. 
Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. Desolation to joy. Jesus Christ delivers us into joy. And then Isaiah's not done and he talks about a destination of joy. Verse eight, a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those Yahweh has rescued will return. A destination of joy. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. There's a highway. There's a highway. It's called the way of holiness. And Jesus Christ knows that way because Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is that highway. He is that expressway. He is that one who takes us to the destination of joy. And as we follow that way, as we follow Jesus Christ, it takes us to a joy that knows no end. There is a place that knows no end to joy. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. But only the redeemed will walk there. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And notice the last word. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. Usually I'm able to say, well, that book is to the left of Revelation. Today that doesn't work. It's almost the last page of your Bible. The destination of joy Isaiah alludes to it where gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And then we come to Revelation 21. and We read these words starting at verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And notice verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old world of things has passed away. Where no more 
is all there is, where there is no more pain, there is no more suffering, there is no more tears. Why? Because Jesus is there. We talk about Him coming during this time of the year. We talk about Him coming as a baby. We talk about Him bringing joy. We talk about all of these things, but yet Advent also should point us to this, that He's coming again. And when He comes again, He takes us to a place where there is no more suffering, there is no more crying, there is no more tears, there is no more pain. Because He is there. I ask you now, where are you heading? What highway are you on? Where's your destination? Because Jesus Christ came to bring joy not only once, but He will come again to bring joy that is everlasting. And it's a joy for those who've placed their trust in Him. Those that have been rescued. Those that experience His presence with them. Jesus Christ claims to be the way, the truth, and the life. The question is this, is Jesus your destination? During this time of the year, that's a question that we have to answer. And it's a question, it's an answer that says everything. He came to bring joy. And he, his destination is one of unending joy for those who place their trust in him. Where's your destination? Father, we pray now. As we reflect on these words, we pray now that you would help us see more clearly the joy that is found in you, Lord Jesus. That we would see more clearly how that highway is the best way. Lord, have mercy on us for the countless times that we've chosen to go our own way and we've become dry. That in our pursuit of happiness, we forgot about joy. And so we would ask that you would have mercy on us. And Lord, that you would raise up within us a greater understanding of who Christ is and what he brings and how He brings joy in the midst of heartache. And Lord, we long today, we long for day, today for Jesus Christ to return soon. To rescue us so that we can be in a place where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more sorrow. It's all Jesus and His presence with us. So Lord, help us. And for those in this room that have a different destination, I would pray that by the power of Your Holy Spirit,
that you would work in a way that their destination is you. That you would use this community of faith to communicate your grace into those people's lives and that great things would happen. That joy would overflow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I invite you to stand now. We're going to sing a couple more songs and